Altitude's undefeated. Crap, we will punch it up, whatever it was in. Not a huge fan of it, I don't know where I was going. I looked like I was running and started to talk to someone. I don't know what I was doing. I tell you what, Matt, we don't get much by you, that's for sure. Hello, Colorado Rapids fans. You are listening to Holding the High Line with Rabbi and Red. My name is Matt Pollard, and it is Monday, May 1st, 2023. The Colorado Rapids got their first win in the Lamar Hunt U.S. Open Cup since 2018 when they defeated the Oklahoma City Energy. Uh, they got another draw on the road. Uh, William Yarbrough is now the leader in clean sheets for the Colorado Rapids, so that's one positive out of there. Uh, here to talk about all those things, a man who is a f- dork, but he's our dork, Rabbi Mark Goodman. <laughs> well, we have to put the explicit tag on this uh, episode now. I'm. I'll bleep it, Rabbi. Oh, that's good. Well, well, I didn't know you knew how to bleep. That's fantastic. Um, yeah, we're dorks. I mean, that's that's what we do. I mean, I, I th- the the reference Matt is making, of course, is to the fact that I uh, sent a text message to him that I posted. Me and me and Matt both posted on Twitter because we're both dorks, um, noting that this Vancouver game was not exciting if you are a, a goalerific, uh, you know, fan of exciting, upbeat, high tempo fun indoor style soccer but if you're a tactical nerd like me and matt there's a lot to talk about and so that's what we like to talk about but speaking of tactical nerdery you know there's nothing nerdier than being a soccer fan who watches lots of soccer games and then on your free time from watching the soccer games you watch television dramas about soccer and that's what me and matt are into so between the wrexham documentary um, the Sunderland documentary, and now, of course, the new season of Ted Lasso. Matt and I are dorking out pretty hard on what's going on in drama world uh, soccer dumb. So, Matt, like, what do you think of what's been going on with, with Ted Lasso? I don't know. Maybe this is a fast-forward spoiler alert. I'm not sure what, what, uh, what will be revealed here, but um, I'm quite enjoying the way things are playing out and how we're building to some... Big crescendo climax, although it's hard to tell whether ultimately um, the Greyhounds, uh, AFC Richmond, are going to win the league or beat West Ham or survive relegation or be relegated or whether Ted Lasso is going to get fired, but he really wants to go back to Kansas City and spend time with his son. Barbecue sauce. It's unclear where this season is going. And I love that. I mean, I think that that's a great thing about a sports television kind of drama which is like we don't really know where it's going but we're enjoying the ride as we're going for it yes uh we should have put this at the front uh mark listeners i'll put a timestamp of the show notes so if you are not caught up on ted lasso we can fast forward after this i haven't i haven't spoiled anything yet right i don't think Yes, but I'm saying if you are not caught up, if you've not watched through season three, episode seven boxes, then we'll be discussing stuff like that. So spoiler alert, check the show notes for you should fast forward if you would like to avoid said spoilers. Um, 
I'm enjoying the season mark. I think, unfortunately, it's unfortunate that the episodes are only about an hour long and we only get 12 episodes in this, the the final season of this iteration of Ted Lasso. They've been pretty solid in saying that there won't be, that they're coming to the conclusion of this three-act series and there could be other spinoff stuff from the Ted Lasso universe that could involve various characters. I think there's a number of ways that they could take it that would be absolutely fun. My personal one, Mark, I want to see Roy Kent have to come coach an MLS team. So the, uh, so like Ted Lasso taking over for Sporting Kansas City after Peter Vermees gets fired because they're going to win the wooden spoon this year. And then uh, just Roy Kent's reaction to all of the things specific to MLS. Like I cannot wait for like an actual writer from the athletic to have a Easter egg appearance where they ask Roy Kent about some innate MLS rule. And then like, have to watch Roy's face as it evolves through Paul Tenorio having to explain general allocation money to him. But <laughs> so, uh, so I'm excited for what comes next, but the, the universe has become so big to where there's entire episodes or multiple episodes in a row where we don't get an update on characters that we've become so endeared to, you know, Colin was a background character through the first two seasons. I'm not sure we even saw him in a personal life outside of the stadium if it wasn't with another teammate as well. And we get a massive um, reveal for him earlier in the season when we find out he's gay. He's trying to deal with the dualities of his character. He gets uh, confronted and interacts with uh, Trent Krim about his homosexuality and then whether or not he doesn't want to be a spokesperson, but then how does he square that with wanting to do that in public since it should not be an issue? That's fantastic. We got almost none of that through season one or two in that regard. And so we're going to go entire episodes where there's so many storylines, Rabbi, that have to get wrapped up at some point in this. Like, you know, uh, Ted clearly still has some demons as far as his mental health and mental wellness that need to get wrapped up. I think even if ultimately he does end up leaving the team, he wants to do that in his own way and on the right note and ultimately with the team having some level of success but still more to accomplish as well. I still think they're setting it up, Mark, so intentionally for um, for Nate the Great to ultimately be redeemed in some aspect. I don't know if that'll involve um, him coming back to him leaving West Ham and the dark side as, you know, uh, Richard's... Uh, uh, office is very clearly like the Emperor Palpatine equivalent room. I'm, I'm pretty sure that's the like whatever room they came up with the Super League in. It's probably that exact office style as well. Nice. So uh, th- there's so many loose ends that have to come up with this, and I'm just not sure how they're going to get to all of them in five episodes. I'm feeling like how I did with maybe half the season to go in the final season of Game of Thrones where I'm like how are they going to do all of this just knowing how much time they have to do it and Dan and Dave over at Game of Thrones chose to just do things haphazardly half-baked and completely rush through everything I want to believe and I trust that Ted Lasso won't do it in that same way but it also might mean that some stuff gets wrapped up this week or next week and then we're only dealing with a few of the main storylines that we have going into you know next year you know Mark there was the whole thing with um, with Rebecca and the fortune teller and the she's going to have a family and everything. And we're waiting a long time for her to meet Mr. Right and get pregnant. If we're talking about that happening, or is it going to happen with Sam? Cause Sam has his own stuff going on with the restaurant. Um, and sure. the, and uh, the, 
alluded to possible romance that's going on between him and his head chef to say nothing of rabbi you mentioned uh we were talking about arsenal before we hit the record button listeners and mark i don't know if you caught this but i thought it was a perfect nod to the racism that uh was featured from the black players who missed penalties for england when sam has his restaurant vandalized and then comes in gets confronted by isaac and not just saying specifically oh that he has a bad play or that he says something publicly but i miss a penalty and get criticism and that like immediately clicked for me and that just that shows to me that even though it's clearly a show in which i think from a an audience and a fandom standpoint like who does Ted Lasso belong to I think it's pretty clearly leaning the non-soccer people it's a workplace comedy about a football club that the soccer is on the side or secondary to the characters and the narratives and the stuff that's going on with them which I'm at peace with at this point I could understand some fans that are soccer people who think that Ted Lasso should belong to the soccer community are being frustrated with that um and and maybe just the one other thing rabbi that i've been wrestling with um uh mark we've talked about my college sweetheart who we will not go into a whole lot of detail about but after we were done dating and after we were done with undergrad she went through uh, an experience she found out that ultimately she was bisexual and so she's been watching ted lasso and i texted her and a few (laughs) of the other friends i have in the lgbtqa plus community about this. Mark, I'm not happy about what's going on with Keely and Jack, and I wanted to make sure that was based on the fact that two things. Um, I want her, I want Keely to end up with Roy, and I'm wondering if this is just a plot device for her to get back to Roy, and I wanted to make sure this wasn't, like, even subconsciously coming out of a point of homophobia, and I texted all of my friends in the LGBTQIA plus community about this like am i missing something has like have there been easter eggs about keely being um uh being queer in any way and there was one reference where she mentioned in season one being physically attracted to women and that was really about to rebecca specifically yes but that was really about it mark and so i am frustrated that for they've been so intentional in the character development individually and with relationships we've seen a it is like we're coming we're close to coming full circle between jamie and roy's friendship frenemies co uh teammates coach player relationship that has been so intentional and has been so developed and everything that for this almost like popping out of nowhere of oh we need a plot device in order for um keely and roy to get back together and also there's some maga ted lasso fans who somehow think that uh that ted's a trad con so let's put in a bunch of easter eggs to clearly show that we're not and then having a character going through a potential sexual revolution on her way to ultimately choosing her heterosexual romantic option as well is one way to do that was just not done well for me rabbi i've been talking a whole lot am i based am i a homophobe you tell me no, I I think those are legit. I actually think it's the opposite that you're you're very sensitive to um, potentially exploitation of 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 uh, bisexuality as if it were like a fun thing to throw into a TV show because men like girls kissing girls. You know what I mean? I I think that that's an interesting. I actually think your your point about um, whether this is just the, the Jack Keeley romance isn't just uh, blocking 
what you inevitably want things to ultimately end up as, which is Roy Kent and Keeley getting back together. I love that for you, Matt. I love, I love, I love that. But I think it's actually a really interesting side issue of the Ted Lasso show, which is they did an episode. I think it was in season two where the whole bit was, um, he says something like, I'm a communist, a ROM communist, right? And he, and then he, and then the rest of the episode, there's a, there's a great reference, straight up reference to, um, you know, uh, something like uh, Notting Hill or um, it might have been uh, Jerry Maguire, where basically Roy Kent kind of runs away from the punditry that he's doing to go reunite with ted lasso as a coach because it's his destiny and that's his true love right and so they they play that whole episode with the with the tropes of rom-coms and um i think that they've really kind of leaned in this season with that and basically said like ted lasso isn't really a sports comedy like sports night was it's not really a dramedy in that there is drama but they try and be funny it's kind of a rom-com dramedy you know like it's it's trying to be is definitely playing with a lot of the heartstrings of all of our favorite characters. We're really interested and invested in their uh, emotional relationships and in their love relationships in an almost soap opera-y kind of way. Will Roy Kent end up with Keeley? Will Jack end up with, with uh, you know, will Sam end up with Rebecca? Will Ted find love, you know? We'll Tune in next week to Ted Lasso, fans! Right, and I, and I think that that is... I actually think I, the only... The, the other thing that I was thinking while you were talking is you're very certain that this show is in its um, uh, show finale, and therefore that they're going to try and wrap up all these storylines by the end of the season. I'm not entirely sure. I think... It's possible that the show goes on without Jason Sudeikis, but doesn't, but, um, but, but lives on um, beyond his time, which begs the question, what would the show, what would a show called Ted Lasso be if the main character Ted Lasso isn't the star of it? I mean, maybe it's a Roy Kent spinoff show called you know, MLS with Roy Kent or something like that. But like, I actually think that there's a world where these guys continue on and we don't actually have to resolve all these storylines. But I do, I do think you've, you've made a lot of really nice points, which is the show is a little woke in a good way in the sense that it's asking questions about essential storylines. Like what is the role of shut up and dribble, you know, race and politics in sports what is the relationship of characters exploring their bisexuality in the modern world? Um, what is the role of the gay athlete in their professional team? Um, what is the role of the long sacrificing manager who gives up their own personal life back in America and their own family life in order to do what managers do, which is try and win football games under high pressure situations. Like these are all very real and in a kind of a fun way, but the thing that makes Ted Lasso a special show is that it's light at the end of the day. There's funniness to the to it in the end of the day, um, and there's a positivity and a and a joy to it at the end of the day. Where you know we don't. Uh, I I I'll, I'll end with this, Matt. I was looking for a new show 
Um, I heard good things about Ozark. I like kind of like crime drama-y, like Narcos style shows. And I tuned into to Ozark for like six episodes. No spoilers here because I, I basically just didn't like it because it was too dark. And it basically said things about humanity that don't match with my worldview of the universe and of people, which is that they're generally good. And I think Ted Lasso might be a little bit goofy and a little bit lighthearted and a a little bit saccharine, and it might not fully represent the complexity of human existence. But at the end of the day, it mostly matches my view of humanity, which is people are mostly good. People, human beings are trying to do their best and they're trying to do a good thing. And when we remember that, when we think of other people in the best possible light, it's better for all of us. Yeah, absolutely, Mark. And uh, to your point, Rabbi, the question of whether or not a show titled Ted Lasso can exist without Ted Lasso, How I Met Your Mother went on for nine seasons and we legit did not meet her until the, I think it was either the end of season eight or like halfway through season nine. I can't remember (laughs) when, I can't remember when uh, Tracy's- Not a show I watched. Yes. Spoiler alert for a TV show that ended, that uh, ended in 2014 here, folks. Um, The, uh, you know, we don't meet Tracy until 90% of the episodes have already been completed. So I think they could weave it in easily. Like I said, I- I'm can I think I still think Rabbi that Ted Lasso as we know it ends after this season. I think there's so many opportunities for spin-offs or just like the like to my earlier point about Colin being a background character and then really having his own renaissance in this season as well. Bomba Cash, the um uh the little Middle Eastern player, has had like five total speaking lines. Like he's a background uh reserve player in season one. And every single like moment where he's gotten to say something has been an absolute banger. Um during the middle of season Him two. And Van Dam backslash Zoro are just phenomenal character side characters. Yes. So like the I, I would legit watch like a like a roommate comedy of like Zoro and then the French guy whose name I can't remember who only speaks in French and then like Bombacatch like rooming together and then like it being about like roommate sitcoms for three players who just happen to be football players. But I would watch that. But like Bombacatch just had the he was the guy who was fixing the neon sign at the end of the last episode. And it's just like he said like five things, but I feel like I know so much about him as a character but at the same time just like with colin like not knowing that he's gay or there's this whole other side of that like you could do that with every single other one of these characters that would be fun um and we need to find more uh, out about the left winger uh who's only been mentioned once in a play known as goodman he's he's the most important character in the show and that we have not had anything revealed about there's no yes, absolutely, it. and and I look forward to I look forward to the <laughs> uh, the holiday special um, that is just a uh, Zava hanging out with his family on his avocado farm. Moving to the actual soccer and actual, actual soccer, actual players who exist. Uh, Mark at the end of the deadline for the primary transfer window, uh, Colorado Rapids secured Danny Leva on a TBD short term loan over. From Seattle Sounders, Colorado Rapids swap a future third round super draft pick in a year mark in which I'm not sure the third round of the super draft is going to exist. They also exchange over $92,000 in general allocation money and both clubs reserve the right to end the loan uh, in the summer as well should Danny Leva not be a successful player. For those wondering about the GAM being given up, the Sounders are retaining a part of Leva's salary. 
that allow the Rapids to classify him as a supplementary player, thus leaving a senior roster spot open for them to potentially do something in the summer. In order to make the Sounders whole from a financial standpoint, the Rapids are giving St. Louis, excuse me, are giving Seattle the general allocation money in order to compensate for that. Uh, There was some really good stuff on the uh, live Twitter thread that uh, now with the athletic Tommy Scoops, Tom Bogert did, if you would like to go check out more details on that. So it's a weird move for me, Rabbi, in terms of it being a loan without an option to buy and how much the Rapids gave up from an asset standpoint, but I can see why it makes sense financially. I do think that ultimately, very similar to the Mark Anthony K trade last year, this sets it up to where this is the move before the big move and the frustration that that completely validly Rapids fans had last year was you moved on from Mark Anthony K. Okay, you got a bunch of game. Okay, you got Ralph Prizzo. He's an option for the future. As we've clearly seen this year, Rabbi, he's a project. It might not be this year. It might not be next year and everything. It was about what else you can do this summer to try and save the season. Ultimately, whatever was supposedly... Um, in the works did not come through to fruition. So Pork Smith has set him up with options. Still, I, I haven't contacted the right people, listeners. I apologize to get clarification about the question last week of if Calvin Harris gets his green card now, does that free up an international roster spot for the summer? But potentially, Rabbi, free international roster spot, potentially some money, potentially a senior roster spot available. Porg Smith has done a good job setting the team up to have flexibility in the summer. Obviously, there's still the option to sign a player and get some money back for Jack Price being on long-term injuryless and everything, but it's ultimately set up like you have to stand and deliver at this point. You can't set yourself up for flexibility and then not cash that in in the ways that the Rapids did not do that last year. To get to the actual player himself, Danny Leva, Seattle Sounders, homegrown player, defensive midfielder, box-to-box mid, um, five foot ten. he is 19 years old. He will have a birthday on Cinco de Mayo mark, so he's just got a couple days left in his teenage years as well. Um, U.S. Youth International at the U16, U17, and U20 level, uh, spent a year with Tacoma Defiance. I think they were in the USL championship Championship at that point, Mark. He has 54 first team appearances uh, for the Sounders, according to his Wikipedia page, and he made his Rapids debut off the bench last week. Nice ball pinger, Mark. I think um, I think he's the Regista piece that is a younger, less experienced, not as defensively minded version of Jack Price. I think this gives the Rapids an option to then play Connor Ronan in the position for which they signed him to do. And then that gives them a little bit more oomph in the midfield going forward. And then maybe you only have to worry about one of the roster spot when you want to be on the front foot and possessive at home and everything. You play Danny Leva when you want to have more of a double pivot in the middle and then have two players who can destroy and really set things up defensively. You put in a Brian Acosta, potentially. That's my initial reactions. Mark, your thoughts on Danny Leva? I don't have a lot of thoughts. I I definitely thought that uh, the move was simply uh, just trying to fill out a roster. The fact that the Rapids felt that they need to make a move for midfield meant one of two things to me. One, that he was a distressed asset in the sense that he was an MLS level player who wasn't getting an opportunity to play. The other thing that I thought of was and this was kind of a bummer for me, that the midfielders at Rapids 2 weren't good enough to promote and that it made more sense to go get a guy from a different team than it did to promote a guy from inside. Like for me, my assumption was that Ali Laraz, if the team was in desperate straits and needed a guy to pull off the bench, 
to run out 10 minutes in a game that Ollie LaRoz was the best option. Um, he, he, I think he had a brace this weekend um, on Sunday for Rapids 2 in their 3-3 draw this last week at uh, DU. Um, and and the Rapids also have uh, Yose, Yosuke, Kon- Yosuke Hanya. Yosuke Hanya, um, who I would love to see him get a few tries because this is a guy who is in his second year as a kind of a full professional with R2. He is not an academy player. Um, he is not uh, someone who's been signed to a first team contract. So I'd love to see a guy like that get a chance. But um, I guess the team either doesn't think those guys are ready or more importantly, thinks that Leva is has potential. Um, and, you know, notably, the last time the Rapids went out to Seattle and got a significant player in my memory, it is, of course, Michael Azira, who they pulled from the Sounders, who had been playing for Sounders too. Um, they brought him over, they gave him a little run out, and it turned out that him and Sam Cronin together were the dynamic duo, the Batman and Robin of defensive midfielders for Pablo Mastroeni that helped to make the 2016 uh, Rapids one of the best Rapids teams of the decade. So um, that's a that's a uh, that's high praise for um, Pork Smith and his band of merry um, trash digging, you know, diamond in the rough finders. I, I, that's the other thing that that we have to assume about Danny Leva, which is that he is a diamond in the rough. The final thing I'll say is I watched the um, Rapids. Uh, open cup match on YouTube where it was being broadcast. And I watched the streaming comments down the side, some of which were interesting, most of which were not. Um, But a lot of people were very excited about the fact that Leva is Salvadorian and they're very proud in Colorado that there is a Salvadorian player getting first team minutes with the Colorado Rapids. And as someone who has been to Central America and really um, and growing up in Los Angeles, knew a lot of Salvadorians. I know that that community is really, really behind their people. And I think that that is absolutely wonderful um, to have a guy like Danny Leva representing his whole country in the state of Colorado. Yeah, to your point, Mark, this is pretty clearly for me a short term stopgap for Jack Price's injury. I don't think this move happens if Jack Price is fully healthy. Um, I am a, I am still a little disappointed there there wasn't an option to buy, even if it was like, give us what we think his market value will be in two years rather than where it is right now, and then like a 50% sell-on clause or something like that. And I agree with your assessment that on some level, this is a knock-on that Ralph Prizzo could not have gotten that, or that him, Ali LaRoz, to a lesser extent, Max is already playing because Cole's hurt as well, but the that we had to go out and sign a guy because our existing young guys weren't ready or that this would not lead to them getting more minutes, which we think is still in the long and short term interest of the club as well. So we'll see what happens. Maybe he ends up working out and he solves some of the problems in midfield that help the Rapids make something out of this uh, frustrating start to a season, um, and maybe it ends up not working out because Ralph Prizzo supplants him in training, and then Leva's not getting any minutes, and he gets he gets sent home by Fourth of July. But we'll see. I still think the biggest thing for me, Mark, is the Rapids have an open senior roster spot, TBD on an open international roster spot. You know, this is a move that works if you make a signing in the summer that has a big impact come the fall as well. 
Porrick Smith, we have given you time and patience and ingredients in order to cook. Cook something up. Nice. Rabbi, shall we get on to the actual... We're half hour in on this almost, Rabbi, and we haven't actually talked about... Well, we were talking a lot about uh, Ted Lasso. <laughs> uh, listeners, we will go through very quickly because we've got a double game week to review. And technically, we might actually have two games to preview. So this past Wednesday, Colorado Rapids won the South Platte River Derby by a score of 3-1 to one in that game mark over Northern Colorado Hailstorm FC. First win for the Rapids in the Open Cup since 2018. So, excuse me, 2017. Um uh, Mark, yay that the Rapids did not get cup set. Um, yay that players who we've been waiting on to do stuff offensively did those offensive things. Jonathan Lewis with a brace. He scores in the first five minutes. Rapids are bossing the game in the first 30 minutes. Hailstorm, get their head above water, uh, get a goal on a ball to the back post that isn't marked very well. And then they go into halftime and the Rapids come out. Um, and ultimately, the quality shows and the mistakes that Hailstorm make that are typical and expected at the U.S. Snow 1 level that are not punished horribly and then corrected were punished by MLS level players. Johnny ultimately with a brace, his first two goals of the season, and then he got an assist on Max's goal, Max's second goal of the season, Max's first goal in Open Cup. Uh, Mark, the Rapids, Rapids win, yay. Um, they beat a team that they should have, yay, and some players got some run out and didn't mess it up. I have very little to say here. Uh, I was uh, expecting the Rapids to start more of a junior lineup than they did. I think they started more starters than I expected. Um, Hailstorm gave it to them about as good as I thought that they could. Uh, and then the Rapids really, they just took advantage, especially as the game wore on. Um, I thought that the Hailstorm did a great job for the first half, but uh, as the game wore on, it, it just was not their day. And they, they did a good job up up till this point. Um, they should be commended. Any team that goes from the, especially the third division that goes as far as they do, um, they they get their moment in the song. But it's time for the big teams to take over, and uh, we're excited. Um, there were a few upsets in, in the round. Um, also, uh, my Pittsburgh Riverhounds will be, they won their match. I was at that game, so, uh, uh, and it was a good, it was a good one to cover. Um, it's nice to go out to an open cup match. It was my first open cup match, I think in four or five years. No, I think it was in five years, the last open five or six years. The last time I saw an open cup match, it was in Colorado. So that was great. Um, the bummer of it is we got the river hounds got kind of sliced and diced into a more Eastern region this time. So they'll be going off to new England. That's like a nine hour drive, nine to 12 hour drive for, any one of our lunatics were going to take it. So I won't be going out to, to Foxborough to see that match, but uh, you know, we'll see how it goes in the next round. And, and there's some really, there's some other fun stuff going on. I think there's a, a matchup in the Western conference where it's two uh, USL teams facing each other and two MLS teams facing each other, guaranteeing that the next round will have a USL MLS matchup in it. So there's some good stuff coming down the pipe. I just want to go through, Mark, the individual, because we had a lot of players who got more minutes than Rapids fans have seen them recently, so I'll just rate them, and Mark, if you um, are strongly disagreeing with any of my assessments, feel free to interrupt me. Marco Illich gets his Rapids debut finally. I don't know that he had a whole lot to do. Rabbi, his distribution was do was good on goal kicks, so yay there. I think it was a really positive sign that Andreas Maxu, coming off of his concussion, now has started the three games that have followed since then. Him and Lawless were decent. 
Anthony Markanich, kind of what uh, very Mark Birch kind of energy in some good stuff on the ball. I didn't notice him for long stretches, which means he didn't make any big mistakes defensively. I still think there's a player there. I question what his ceiling is and if he's going to be the long-term starter at defense for what the Rapids are going to ask of that position in a back five. Sebastian Anderson comes in, I thought was decent, very good pressing, very good offensively. I think he was the... I think there were multiple people who were faulted the goal. I think the fact that it was his man who ultimately was open at the back post for a diving header um, was not a good look for Anderson. I still think Keegan Rosenberry is a better option there, as frustrating as that might be for fans, Coloradans, and for the young kid. Preso was good on the ball, better on the ball than I've seen him in the past. Uh, Hailstorm did not press as much as I might have expected, so he didn't have a lot of pressure to deal with. One player who did a good job with that moving off the ball would have been Marlon Vargas, Rapids 2 player, who was brought up on a short-term loan and made his first team debut, and I thought, again, didn't you didn't notice him for long stretches, and that was a good thing because he didn't make any mistakes. Lewis started on the left, got goals. Max in the middle got goals. Kevin Cabral wasn't really in it for me personally, Mark. Um, you know, I'm I'm increasingly leaning towards, as we'll get to in a minute, he's a bust. He's not getting enough minutes, which shows to me where he is on the depth chart, and he's not affecting games in the same way, or at least doing something to try and benefit the team. Maybe I'm not seeing something. Maybe the two offhanded comments that I've heard from people like a month, two months ago about him working through fitness was him secretly having an injury that was not disclosed in preseason or anything, but I I need to see more. At some point, we're going to have to do an autopsy if this continues on what's gone wrong. Is it the player? Did the Rapids not do a good job scouting him from an on-field or off-the-field standpoint? Is the coaching staff misusing him? Or is this an, I I don't think this is an Eigenergate situation, but like what's going on here to where this has gone so wrong and the Rapids put in so much, uh, you know, assets and capital into a player uh, who has not returned on investment. Um, Darren Yappi started out wide. I don't particularly like him there, Mark. I think he has decent speed to challenge players, even though he's really tall. He's good on the ball and good on the dribble and everything. But, you know, for a opponent that has fi- big physical imposing center backs. I'd want somebody who can challenge for that from a hold-up play standpoint. Cabral did not do that. Yappi can do that. I prefer him in the middle. I prefer Cabral out wide. Um, and then uh, we should say, Mark, even though I-, I don't know that he did enough, I don't know that he got enough minutes to warrant like us actually giving him a player rating, but uh, Mike Edwards comes off the bench for his rapid senior team debut, and given how much I've seen from him in training and how people at the club have spoken about how he's evolved for the last two years and how much better he looked in preseason and set up to be a better player this year, I thought it was deserved. Let's see if he can do something. Um, I think Lawless is doing decent. I think Danny and Andreas are doing well. I think there's still... A pretty high bar for a Buba Carcada, for a Moist Bombito, for a Mike Edwards to break into that starting lineup. Anything you want to say, Rabbi, or shall we move on uh, to the MLS game against Vancouver? Let's talk MLS. Listeners, this past Saturday at BC Place, the Colorado Rapids played the Vancouver Whitecaps 2-8-0-0 draw. Uh, Mark, and I don't have a whole lot to say in terms of like a rundown of what happened because uh, the Rapids had a penalty and Diego Rubio ended up missing that penalty. And without that penalty, the Rapids produced like 0.4 XG and Vancouver had just over 1 XG. And those were mostly decent saves by William Yarbrough or just shots that were completely missed. Um, Brian White continues to be the um, uh, continues to be the XG merchant that would totally fit in on the Colorado Rapids. Uh, he had a shot to go off the post. He got saved at the near post by William Yarbrough, Ali Ahmed, 
and um, and Brown both had opportunities in the second half. Martins uh, had a scorcher off of a broken set piece that Yarbrough put over the bar. But make no mistake, listeners, four or five really big saves from William Yarbrough. Yarby absolutely earned passing Matt Pickens in clean sheets with 30 all-time in MLS play as a member of the Colorado Rapids uh, this past Saturday. But other than a few of those moments, Rabbi, it was a lot of Vancouver getting the ball into good positions and the fullbacks or Julian Gressel crossing the ball into the box where the Rapids had numbers and one of Lalo Subukar or Andreas Maxu or Danny Wilson headed it comfortably out to safety. I don't think Vancouver adjusted enough to what the Rapids were doing defensively. And while it completely sacrificed the offense from the Colorado Rapids, it was in hindsight because the result worked, Mark, we can say that Robin Frazier was smart and he said, third game in seven days. Yes, I've rotated the squad, but we've got a bunch of injuries and everything. This is how we're going to play. Vancouver is going to have a lot of the ball. They're going to have a lot of chances. If we make no mistakes, we'll get a draw. And I am perfectly okay with that. Albeit as a result, Rabbi, the offense for the Colorado Rapids for basically the first 70 minutes was winning the ball, passing Diego Rubio, and then Diego Rubio hitting a 30-yard ball to Michael Barrios that went nowhere. Or it was eventually Jonathan Lewis coming on and then Rubio doing the exact same thing for Lewis. Lewis wins a penalty. Was that him being elevated because he was more confident because he scored two goals in Open Cup? Maybe um, he gets a penalty. Rubio comes up and takes it, and uh, Tankona, Tankona, I'm not sure how to say the uh, the name of the new Japanese goalkeeper for Vancouver, I think makes a really good save. Um, some questions from the fan base about whether or not he was off the line. The rule, listeners, is that you have to be over the line, not in front of it, but you can have both your feet off the ground at the time the ball is struck by the penalty kick taker and still be valid. From all the replays I've seen, Rabbi, I think his white foot, his right foot is clearly there. Uh, but Rabbi, I've done a whole lot of talking. Where do you want to start on this game that is tactically interesting, but to the casual and from a seven-minute uh, replay standpoint, left much to be desired? So the, the, the question that you can ask is, as a manager, you tell the team, we're going to play deep, we're going to defend deep, we're not going to confront the opponent with the ball um, until they get past the center line. What that means practically is that your attacking players aren't going to be in a position to counterattack or to um, race down to the other side of the field very quickly because your guys are too far deep in their own end to dig the ball out and, and make a run. It, it makes it advantageous for your defense. It makes it harder for your offense. And that's a decision that you make as a manager going into this game. You say the line of confrontation is here. Defense, when the ball is picked up, you need to be back right in front of the 18-yard box. This is where you need to be, right? It's a decision you have to make. Instead of saying, we want to spread the field, we want to confront deeply, we want to play back to front, we want to harass, we want to turn over the ball, and we want our attackers forward. The other thing that you can say about this game that, that is notable, and it's always notable when you're watching a soccer game, is um, are there any attacking players who it very much seems like they don't have defensive responsibilities, right? Let's say the ball progresses past the half line. Is Diego Rubio dropping back to defend in this situation? Are the wingers dropping back to defend? Are, is Sam Nicholson dropping back? Is Michael Barrios dropping back? Is Cabral dropping back? Or are they basically kind of being pushed up the field and being nudged like, hey, 
don't worry so much about the defending because our job here is for the back seven guys to force a turnover and then race forward and have you in a position where you're ready to, to transition to offense, right? Be like defending 30%, but think about what you're going to do on offense. And in this case, the Rapids were basically like they had one guy who was ready to attack and the other nine guys were squarely on defense. And I would say for most of this game, like seven guys were defending at any given time. There were there was barely any thought given to attacking. Matt, you did a great job of very simply breaking down what the Rapids did in the attack. I didn't see a lot of the Rapids attack because I think possession-wise, when when I logged off or when I fell asleep or maybe when I woke up, the Rapids had, I think, 38% possession. They just weren't, they were trying to go on the road and grind out a result and get a road point, and they were happy to come out with a nil-nil result. The question that I have off of this long-winded ramble is to say, one might argue whether this is the right decision for Robin Frazier to go on the road, grind out tough defensive opportunities and nick a result maybe at the end, um, or realistically just, you know, try and grind out nil-nil, one-one results on the road. Um, in a normal year where you're playing well, those are that's the way any good team should play. You know, that's how LAFC, how the Galaxy, how um, the Revolution, how any good team plays on the road. This is a Rapids team that in nine matches has one win and six draws, I think, right? Should we really be playing this way? That's the real question I have, which is like Robin Frazier is playing a very defensive brand of soccer, especially on the road, and it's not very exciting, and it's it's low risk, low reward. I don't know if that's the right tactic when you're in 11th place. I don't know if that's the right tactic when you're not generating a lot of offense to say, we're not even going to try and generate offense. We're going to be defensive. I, 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 I like defensive soccer, Matt. You know me. I like the old Pablo ball. I like the Mastronaccio. Um, I don't think this was the... I don't think this is what we need right now. I think maybe I'm being a little bit careless and maybe we need to wait three or four more games till we're into like the middle of the season. But I really feel like the Rapids need to turn up the heat on the burner a little bit and play less defensive soccer. That's all I got. 38% possession, Mark. Seven total shots, two shots on goal, one of those being the penalty. So, Rabbi, you're talking, remove the penalty from that. You're talking one shot on goal through 90 minutes as well. It, it, it's just not, it's not good enough offensively, Mark. If this was, even if you take into account the game plan and the opponent and everything, like playing at LAFC, I'm fine with this setup. If you come out of there with a nil-nil draw and LAFC have 72 shot attempts and Carlos Vela has 3.8 XG for his own and Yarbrough stands on his head and you get out of dodge, I'm okay with this. We're talking about the Vancouver Whitecaps, Mark. Let's be real, Rabbi. The team that you and I were more excited to talk about last week was Northern Colorado Hailstorm. That's where we're at. So, you know, I can... I understand the idea behind it because you figure, you know, the the team still has some injuries to deal with. And I, I guess my question, Mark, is what was what was the foundation? What was the starting point of Frazier thinking that we needed to get this that the to set up this way and ultimately go for a draw or figure out can we nick something in transition and try and get a result that way? Is it based on the fact that 
you have a bunch of injuries and you couldn't set up in your normal road defensive posture because Brian Acosta was questionable midweek. And keep in mind, Diego Rubio was also questionable as well in this game, folks. So I think it's a, if, if Rubio wasn't in this game, I think this result would have been incredibly impressive, regardless of what the metrics would have looked like to go there and get a draw at Vancouver. So are you thinking, I've got a bunch of injured players. We're coming off of three games in a week and everything. And we're going to have to go play abroad on turf and everything. And I'm worried about that. Let's just set ourselves up to get a like it losing this game doesn't help us. Let's get let's just continue to get a point and extend the possibility for us to eventually figure it out, get hot, get some wins and then work our way into a a playoff position. So that's the that's what I'd be wondering from Robin's standpoint. Is it based on fixture congestion? Is it based on injuries? Is it based on the was it based on the opponent? Or Mark, was it very, very similar to ultimately Anthony Hudson's final game in charge of the Colorado Rapids, where he probably looked at it and thought, We've got absolutely no shot of winning in Atlanta. Like the are you playing small? Are you respecting the opponent too much? Is the game plan an at an admission by Robin Frazier on some level that I don't have the horses to compete and just getting a draw right now is fine. That's the kind of stuff, Mark, that a team in that that's a Sean Dice in the relegation zone set up. That is a Chivas USA just trying to not win the wooden spoon so the coach doesn't get fired. Uh, listeners, I was making a Chelis reference there, not referring to Robin Frazier's two years that he was in charge of Chivas USA. They tried to play at times, albeit they were unsuccessful as well. That's my question, Mark. In Robin Frazier's heart of hearts, in his subconscious, in the part of his brain where he won't even admit it to Worldy Harris in the same way that, like, what dark, what deep dark secrets, Mark, does Ted Lasso keep from Coach Beard? Does Robin Frazier, if he feels something differently than what he said to Worldy Harris and Neil Emblem, and Chris Sharpie and everything think this team's not good enough. Let's just go for a draw and try and hang around that ninth seed and barely get in so that I don't get fired or I don't get blamed for this season being bad. Where is that? Where where was the, the point of this coming from? If it's we had a bunch of injuries, I can understand that. If it's fixture congestion and you figure the team often doesn't play well on turf, often doesn't play well at Vancouver, I'm okay with that. But, you know, the... These defensive postures, Mark, and all of the, to an extent, like glad handing in the postgame media availability where Will and Robin both say slightly in passing that the team did enough to win the game, I can let pass as a member of the media, and I think fans could let pass in that you got a clean sheet, your goalkeeper was excellent, and you got a penalty, and you figure Diego Rubio should convert that penalty, you win one nothing. that is... In that, you did enough to win the game. But at some point, Mark, we have to acknowledge this unbeaten streak is also now becoming a winless streak. And 34 draws do not get you in the playoffs. At some point, the Rapids need to start winning games. In that, they need to start setting themselves up in a way to where they actually go for a win and then convert winning performances into winning results into three points and everything. I can be talked into, this is how we're going to set up on the road. This is how we're going to set up at home. But it further exacerbates, it, it just further underlies, Mark, the criticisms that we've have of this team at home where they haven't put together 90-minute performances and when they have, they ultimately have not converted their chances. This does not change the big picture of how I feel about the Rapids, but similar to how 
Danny Leva doesn't move the needle for me for the front office, but it does set them up to do something better in the summer to make the difference. The impetus is now, the the proverbial ball is now in Porrick Smith's side of the court to do something in that summer window to validate this move right now. The draw at Charlotte where they come back from a losing position. Um, the draw at, uh, what was what was the other one they had earlier in the year, Mark, that I can't remember now. Okay, the uh, all of these draws, Mark, are only okay if eventually it leads to a run of wins or at least winning multiple games at home in a short period of time. And especially when you're coming up this Saturday and playing the only other worst team in MLS that you haven't played yet, given you've played Sporting Kansas City twice, you got a win and a draw in your two games against SKC, and the only other team with less than nine points in MLS is the LA Galaxy, and you're playing at the LA Galaxy, going out there and playing small and getting a draw and patting yourself on the back and saying it was a moral victory and you should have done more to win, when from the run of play you get out XG'd by a factor of three and William Yarbrough has to deny Chicharito and everything, that will not be good enough. The approach, the performance, and the result needs to be better than it was against Vegas. Vancouver. I am waiting to see how the team responds and tries to hold out during this bad patch, during this busy patch, and during this patch in which they have a number of players coming back from injury. Nice. Speaking of injuries, Mark, uh, two other notes that I do want to say. Sam Nicholson was questionable for this game, and he started and came out at halftime. Asked Robin Frazier about that post game, and he said that he, he just highlighted that Guys can become available, but that doesn't mean that you don't still manage their minutes so that you don't exacerbate things and everything. And that makes me, again, just further cautious that they're going to be very, very careful with Brian Galvan, who was listed as available for this game, but not in the 18 for Moise Bambito coming back from injury. I wouldn't be surprised if they continue to not rush Cole Bassett, given he has that hamstring injury, comes back and then re-injures that hamstring as well. Uh, and Mark, um, you know, was your, uh, you know, how, what did your uh, heartbeat go up to when Andreas Mekshu took that shot in the face and we were like, oh crap. Oh yeah, no, I, I mean, I'm glad he got up really quickly, but I, I would just like a guy to go a game without taking a what looks like a head injury it's just not enjoyable and you know i i worry about guys like that i mean especially since you know the 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 literature and all the evidence points to the fact that like repeated head injuries in a short period of time uh really do you know tend to tend to be bad things so but i'm glad he was fine uh sometimes i just think dudes should should get a little bit more time after they take one off the head okay um anything else we want to say about rabbi that rabbi or shall we move on yeah, it's it's um, I, I don't mean to be too negative about the choices that Robin made, but I definitely think that um, this team needs to kick it up a notch. All right, listeners, this coming Saturday, May 6th, I guess, return of the 6th, since obviously uh, Thursday will be May the Force Be With You Star Wars Day, and then uh, we'll have both uh, Revenge of the Fifth and Cinco de Mayo on Friday. Uh, so Saturday, Colorado Rapids travel to Carson, California to take on the Los Angeles Galaxy. Pids, as we mentioned earlier, are 12th in the Western Conference, nine points off of 10 games played. They have one win, three draws, three, excuse me, three losses and six draws. Goal difference is still negative five and away from the Richard this year. They are one, two, and three. LA Galaxy, 13th in the Western Conference. As I mentioned, Mark, one of just two teams below the Rapids in the Shield standing, six points off of nine games played. One, five, and three is their record. Uh, their win did come in their last home game uh, two weeks ago 
uh, like 10 days ago now against Austin FC, who are struggling. Galaxy Mark have a goal difference of negative seven, and at home this season, they are one, two, and one. Um, Mark, well, not this is not Corner of the Galaxy, so we won't talk about it a whole lot. Uh, things are getting toxic with the fan base, and it's clearly seeping into the team. Fans want Klein out, who is the president of the club and has staved off a bunch of criticism and all the responsibility for the failures on the field, off the field, and the club culture. Greg Vanny's taken over the technical side of things. He's getting super punchy and defensive with the media. The boycott from supporters has been partially quelled by ACB, Angel City Brigade, coming in and uh, joining and deciding to return to the stadium. So it is fractured. It is tenuous. I have no idea what the atmosphere is going to be like at this game. I know, unlike El Trafico, it's probably not going to be a bunch of Rapids fans invading the South Stands. ACB will probably make some noise, but there's probably going to be like 12 people in the Riot Squad section, if that. Moving on to the field, Mark, uh, this is a flawed team right now that has injuries and is not in a great place right now. Um, Jonathan Bond, their uh, goalkeeper, is out. So guess whose son, Mark, is starting in goal for the LA Galaxy? Klinsman. Yes, Jonathan Klinsman is in goal for them right now. Maybe their one fun homegrown they have right now since Julian Araujo is with Barcelona is is Jalen Neal, who's come in at center back. He's playing alongside um, Caceres, uh, who forgets that you can't touch referees when they're doing a VAR review. Otherwise, you'll get an immediate red card. They've got a couple new um, fullbacks um, from abroad. I think both are from South America. Uh, Douglas Costa is starting on the right and at times up top. Um, he is injury prone. He is bad. He is slow. Um, he's collecting <laughs> a paycheck paycheck, and good for him. Um, in the midfield, it's uh, Gaston Brugman, Marky Delgado, and then also Ricky Pooj, who I see Mark did not play against Orlando, and I'm not seeing him on the bench, so I have to assume there was an injury concern there. And up top, finally, uh, Greg Vanny has caved and decided to go with conventional wisdom, which is Chicharito as the poacher and then Dejan Jovalik as as their kind of channel runny player. They've been lining up in a 4-4-2 because simplicity and this team can't do complex tactical things right now, Mark. They've looked at their best in the 3-5-2, um, at least from an attacking standpoint, but that sets themselves that sets themselves up weak defensively and reliant on key individuals offensively, something the Rapids can certainly negate if they play well and they don't make mistakes. Chicharito is a poacher. Jovalik has got some fox in the box, Wandoism in him as well. So that'll be an interesting test, not dissimilar from how the Rapids handled uh, Jao Klaus against St. Louis City, which could be a good step and has me optimistic for what the Rapids could do defensively in this game, Rabbi. But the the 3-5-2 for LA sets them up to be the most comfortable on the ball, the best for them to create chances and attack, but also sets them up for counterattacks. And Mark, that sets ultimately the LA Galaxy up to have to win games 3-2 or 4-3. And they don't have Zlatan anymore, so they don't have that kind of firepower. This is a team that is weak on set pieces. Mark, regardless of the fact that they finally got a win and everything, this is a bad team. This is a team that has a lot of disharmony. They do not have a lot of mental fortitude. They don't have a lot of together this is the opposite of a Ted Lasso team. This is AFC Richmond against West Ham in the second half right now. And if the Colorado Rapids can come out and score a goal in the first five minutes, this team will just immediately fold. They have issues. They have mistakes. This is the game I expect the Rapids to win. This is a game the Rapids need to win. 
That's a pretty strong pronouncement. I mean, I think one of the great indictments of this team this last match was that they started in a 4-4-2 with Douglas Costa and Tyler Boyd on the outside, and they were both subbed off at half. I mean, I see players, I see tactical changes that managers make where they're like, you know, we really want to sub this guy off um, at the half. Usually, if you sub a guy off at the half, it's a pretty strong indication that he wasn't performing very well. It's pretty rare you'll see two players subbed off at the half. They were only down by a goal at the time against Orlando, so that's, like, really damning. Um, Yeah, I think Ricky Pooch had some sort of hamstring issue, if I remember correctly, from uh, watching uh, MLS 360 uh, the other day, which was super fun again, by the way. If they could just get rid of the commercials in the middle, I'd be a big fan of watching... MLS 360, uh, whatever those those um, Eastern Conference uh, 7.30 games are coming on, and you're like, I don't want to watch this game more than that game. I'll just watch all the games. Um, by the way, I was watching MLS 360 on my TV while I was also watching parts of last week and the week before's Rapids games for an article that I'm doing on um, uh, our Substack. Uh, so I was... You, you could say I was uh, quint boxing. I was watching five soccer matches at once. Um, of course, I could use the pause button on one of them. Yeah, I don't have high hopes for the Galaxy in this one. Um, I do think the Rapids can can handle them. The flip side of that is the Rapids are on the road. Um, they haven't been particularly dangerous um, on the road. And I do think that they are also looking at playing three matches in the next um uh, week, you know, they've got the Galaxy match followed by Sac Republic, followed by Philadelphia. So that's a lot of, of soccer. They are definitely going to want to start their best players against the Galaxy and rotate a little against Sacramento, but they still are going to want to maybe think about both matches. So I don't know. I, I definitely feel that this is the Rapids have all the things going in the right direction for them for this match, but I don't necessarily feel that we should count out the Galaxy because they did show signs of life two matches ago against um, Austin, and they got two goals, and I believe Chicharito was quoted afterwards as saying, you know, we looked, we were having fun out there, and I think the possibility that the Galaxy might be in the ballpark of turning it around is, is still there, and if you're going to turn it around on a team... Feasting on the weekend of the Western Conference includes the Colorado Rapids. You can definitely get right on us if we don't put together a good performance. Yeah, um, so those two goals for you, Mark, this was two games. And now, listeners, uh, this past weekend at time of recording, the Galaxy went to Orlando and lost 2-0. But they beat Austin the game before that at home, their one win of the season, 2-0. Uh, Chicharito from Dejan Jovalik and Ricky Pooj in the 54th minute. Typical Chicharito goal, Mark. Good buildup and Chicharito finding space in the box, right place, right time. And then Ricky Pooj with a good goal uh, 10 minutes later in the second half um, from Marky Delgado. So those are the two guys that you want to key in on folks i know i did a quick google search mark and nothing came up for ricky pooge hamstrings so that just means that maybe google's tanking um corner of the galaxy and uh la galaxy confidential because they're no longer connected to a larger media outlet but um, if Ricky Pooch isn't available, then the Rapids, I have to believe the Rapids will have some way of having their way in the midfield with Connor Ronan and one of Danny Leva or um, Brian Acosta or um, 
Ralph Prizo, and then Max, who I thought, who I haven't talked about, Mark Max, I thought um, has been excellent these last couple of games as well. He has been. Um, and he did. He did everything, but um, the, the only thing that he really hasn't done is give two goal contributions in MLS play. Um, but he's looked much better on the ball. He's worked really well defensively, which is not something I would have expected or thought he had in this game, Mark. So uh, whether it's him or Cole Bassett, it's one of those two, plus Connor Ronan, plus one of the other three I just mentioned, Prizo, Acosta, or or Leva. I have to imagine if Ricky Pooge isn't able to go in this game, that combination for a rapid three-man midfield should be able to easily control the ball, dictate game, and then ultimately control how the game is played. And then ultimately it's about the, you know, the Rapids don't have anything else threatening in terms of in the box. So, you know, don't give Treacher to any space, don't make any mistakes, and then don't leave large gaps for Dejan Jovalik to run into. Sounds simple. It's something we've seen the Rapids not do well. That being said, the Rapids defense continues to improve. I continue to like what I see from the center backs. I think the back five would give them the right numbers advantage in order to deal with that appropriately without sacrificing everything on the wings. And William Yarbrough is in fantastic form. And as much as I'd like to see Marco Illich work his way into the team, Mark, to give us some first team MLS level data to prove whether or not he'd be worth paying that option to buy in the summer and everything. Um, William Yarbrough's done nothing wrong to warrant, um, uh, not starting on Saturday. And he was the captain on Saturday as well. So um, he'll be the uh, first and most important part of the team defensively. And I would expect him to have a very good performance in this game. Mark, I think it's a, I think it's a similar initial setup from, uh, it's a closer setup to the Vancouver game than it will be the St. Louis game. I think the Rapids will want to play primarily in transition. I think they'll have more bite in the midfield. I think they'll be much better set up in shape and in intent to do stuff in transition. And ultimately, I think the Rapids score a goal in transition. Give me Darren Yappy finally getting his first goal mark. And yes, the primary assist will be from Diego Rubio. The Rapids win this game 1-0. Nice. Uh, I'm going to give it as a tie. The Rapids wind up uh, drawing this game. It's going to be a wild one, I feel like. All Galaxy games end up wild these days. It's going to go 2-2 in uh, Dignity Health Sports Park, which is a terrible name, but not nearly as bad as the other big stadium in L.A. these days. Crypto.com Arena. That's a terrible, terrible name. Uh, Well, Mark, can we can we talk about the fact that there's a professional sports team in Los Angeles that has a stadium with a Los Angeles address that has a Bank of Montreal as their sponsor as well? That's not confusing. Uh, You're talking about LAFC's stadium? Yeah, it's no longer the Bank of California. It's now Bank Montreal. Well, it's that's what BMO is, Mark. It's BMO. Oh, I didn't know what the M in BMO stood for. It stands for Montreal. So yeah, because you've yeah. got BMO, because you've got, I, I I know it used to be BMO Field. I think Scotiabank has now taken over for Toronto FC Stadium. And then because Joey Saputo is a narcissist, uh, Montreal still plays at Stad Saputo instead of that being sponsored as well. So they just sponsored um, the LAFC Stadium and everything. So it yeah. It could be worse, Matt. They could be sponsored by First Republic or Silicon Valley Bank, which would mean that they were the Enron of MLS, but thankfully they, they went with a bank that hasn't folded yet. So, you know, it, it, always look on the bright side of life, as I say. Yes, absolutely. Um, you know, we got Dick's Ford and Goods Park, Mark. Uh, they're, they're... We do, and our sponsor, UC Health, has not gone out of business yet and has, as far as we know, paid for all of their um, 
paid all of their sponsorship fees up till now so we're excited about that oh uh, they haven't paid for a bus and beer for c38 yet though oh so we... no maybe they don't pay for <laughs> maybe they don't pay for beer because it's not healthy maybe they'd only pay for carrot sticks and uh and zucchini spears all right so maybe we'll maybe c38 will get that instead of uh instead of chow understanding supporter culture and what actually makes the the locos actually like you but um rabbi let's move on so this coming tuesday or i guess a week from today what day of the week is that, Mark? Is it the 9th? Tuesday the 9th, listeners, at 8.30 p.m. Mountain Time, the Colorado Rapids will be heading to Sacramento to take on Sacramento Republic FC. Listeners, you'll know them. They were one of the standout MLS expansion teams their first year. They've been flirting with MLS expansion. Uh, excuse me, they're a USL expansion team. Uh, they won the USL championship. They flirted with MLS expansion. It's gone back and forth. It doesn't look like they're in the running right now. Bonnie Field is still a fantastic fantastic USL venue for my money mark feel free to disagree over there on the Cal State fairgrounds and everything um and then they are they have a history now in this tournament they made it all the way to the final last year losing to Orlando City unfortunately and mark they're off to a very good start in their league campaign uh they've got five wins and three draws let me zoom up they are the only team still undefeated in the USL championship and they are top of the table right now so if the USL had a supporter shield folks sporting sporting Kansas City uh Sacramento Republic excuse me would be top of the table right there uh they've got 18 points on eight games played that's insane mark you know what else is insane their goal difference 14 goals for two goals against this is a very good USL championship team mark this is a team picking up where they left off last season this should be one of the best teams as usual in the regular season in the USL Western Conference this could be a favorite certainly a contender for the USL championship and as we've seen Mark this is a team that likes to cup set MLS teams in this competition Rabbi what do we see in Sacramento Republic how does Robin Frazier handle this given the two-day turnaround and traveling for back-to-back games I wonder actually Rabbi would they go straight to, would they fly to Los Angeles and then fly directly to Sacramento rather than come home to Denver to begin with? But I'm rambling, Rabbi. Your thoughts? That's what I would do. Um, I know a couple of players on this team very, very well. Um, their, their best striker slash number 10 player is a guy by the name of Russell Ciceroni. Uh, grew up in the Detroit uh, area. I've interviewed him. He's a lovely, lovely player. Think of him as the... Um, as the Enzo of his of his day, um, Enzo Martinez, who formerly played for the Colorado Rapids, um, dribbly, talented, able to slip a ball into the final third uh, when necessary. Um, he's been playing uh, a lot with this team. On top of that, they've got their two strikers, Juan Herrera um, and Kiko Gontan. Um, they're an older team. They're they're long on. MLS uh, and well, not MLS, USL veterans. Um, and, and then in defense, they have um, center back Shane Wheat, also formerly of the Colorado Rapids. Alongside him is Connor Donovan, who's 27 years old um, and has played all throughout the league. He got a cup of coffee with Houston and Orlando City, but has overwhelmingly spent his career in the USL championship. Um, and then they've got uh, young Jared Timmer alongside him. Um, he is a refugee from Reno, 1868, a folded team. Um, their goalkeeper is Danny Vidiello, also a former Riverhound. Vidiello uh, took the Riverhounds all the way to, I think, the second round of the playoffs a couple of years ago. He is a killer shot stopper, only 27 years old. 
Um, he's one of those guys that I thought had a shot at going up to um, MLS after a really great year with the Riverhounds, but um, instead he went to the Republic. Uh, he's he's just a really solid keeper, and he's an above-average shot stopper. So this is a team that can really do a lot of things. Um, definitely not like the Hailstorm, who have talented players at a few positions, but a lot of weaknesses. Um, the Riverhounds are the Riverhounds. Uh, the Republic are a complete team. They are front to back. They can do a lot of things, and tactically, they're very sound with a manager with a background of creating upsets of playing very well and making runs deep into the playoffs. So Republic are uh, a formidable foe. And if you're not going to start, you're starting 11 of regulars. Um, you may already be starting at a, at a deficit at a disadvantage. Yeah. Just for a reference point here, Mark uh, earlier in the season back on, um, on April 1st, I think that that has to be that can't be a preseason game mark that has to have been the start of the usl season properly they beat oh, yeah. louisville city five nil normally rabbi we would consider louisville city a very good team in the eastern conference um and then for reference just a couple weeks ago back on april 15th they spanked uh switchbacks four nil as well um it should be pointed out also rabbi since we're discussing travel and everything that's going on and how that might have been a variable for robin frazier this week and could be another variable for them this uh this coming week sacramento are home uh just 30 minutes uh after 30 minutes before uh la galaxy colorado rapids on the weekend they are home to indy 11 i don't have the standings in front of me so i don't know how good indy is off the top of my head rabbi but sacramento republic uh had to travel last week they were home for their open cup game against sacramento against oakland roots excuse me um so they were home for that game. So they did not cup set an MLS team to the extent that that's a variable. And then they got a draw at Tulsa, but then they're home for this game. They're home over the weekend, Mark, comparing that with the Rapids, who obviously had to travel last week. We'll have to travel this weekend. And I think likely just head on over to Sacramento and then probably be there for two days to prep for training rather than come back to Colorado and then have to um, fly more. So I, I think this is a tough game, Mark. I think it's a valid question for both teams, how they choose to prioritize this and what squad rotation goes on um mark if you told me right now which game i had to choose for the rapids to win and everything i would absolutely choose the rapids to win la, LA galaxy and then lose to oh, yeah. lose to sacramento i don't think in the past rabbi when we've talked about the the real embarrassment or of the rapids losing or the fact that they've got one of the worst cup set records for mls teams in this competition it's been losing to expansion teams like New Mexico. It's been going on the road and playing a first team and still managing to lose to a USL team um, or, you know, having a blow up against Atlanta Silverbacks that turns into Fight Club, for example. It is losing to, you know, it's also losing where your home games, there's like 500 people or the USL team that's regional to you outdraws you like we did with New Mexico a couple of years ago, um, there was a decent hailstorm crowd as well in that. I thought they brought a little bit of atmosphere. There weren't more than 2,000 people at the game, Mark. I didn't look up the attendance, but I mean, it couldn't have been more than 1,500 at the absolute most. So, I mean, you're looking at that versus Sacramento Republic where the weather's getting warmer and everything. Yes, it's a Tuesday night, but can they get three, 4,000 people there? Can they get people excited given what they did in the tournament last year? And, you know, but this is, of all the USL teams, I would be okay losing to, doing it on the road, 
coming off of a road game in MLS that you win and you rotate the squad and send out Rapids 2 and you lose a close nail-biter against one of the best teams in the USL Championship, there's no shame in that whatsoever. So I think ironically in that regard, Mark, depending on how the Rapids approach it and depending on what the starting lineup could be, you I would almost look at this psychologically as the pressure being on Sacramento or the expectation externally being on Sacramento. Um Mark, I'm, I'm going to go with my gut on this one, just given what you and I both said about Sacramento and how we rate them as USL team. I think Sacramento wins this. I will say we go to extra time, and I will say it will be 2-1 to the California Capital Club. Yeah, I basically say the same thing. I, I just don't, um, I don't think we're, I don't think the Colorado Rapids are strong enough as a team um, that they can roll out a lineup that isn't, isn't their regular starters and beat Sacramento handily. Um, I also think that their overall record against USL team uh, in in US Open Cup is terrible. Um, after their win the other day against the Hailstorm, that takes them since 2013 to five wins and eight losses in the Open Cup. Um, four of those losses in the Open Cup are against lower division teams. They love to lose to the lower division. So I'm going to give almost the same prediction as you. They're going to they're going to get two draws, right? They're going to draw against the Galaxy, and then they're going to draw in uh, 120 minutes against Sacramento. It's going to go to PKs, and they're going to lose in PKs um, to Sacramento, and that'll be end, the end of their cup run. Um, maybe just one more thing that I want to say about this, Rabbi. I, again, I think you've got so many players coming back with injury that I understand if certain players don't start certain games or get a certain amount of minutes. But I have to think, given you've got two games coming up on grass, I could understand Frazier's trepidation about that Vancouver turf last Saturday. But Brian Galvan not listed on the injury report. Maybe Cole Bassett is back. Maybe Brian Acosta is back like I have to think at some point through the some of the players that we've been itching to see really get more minutes actually get those minutes I have to imagine Marco Willett starts that game on Tuesday if Yarbrough starts on the Saturday I have to think Sebastian Anderson gets at least 60 minutes somewhere in there as well Anthony Markanich um, Alex Gershbach was a sub in the game against Hailstorm I have to think he gets minutes as well Ralph Prizzo will get a run out Danny Leva probably starts that maybe starts that game uh, against uh, against Sacramento Republic as well. Yappy Mark, I'm going to say, easily gets 120 minutes between these two matches as well. Um, and then, you know, maybe maybe that's the kind of situation where even if it's absolutely out of question that you're going to lose, that you give Galvan, you know, 10, 15 minutes just to get his legs under him, maybe a Cole Bassett coming back from injury. It would be nice to see, given how much Mark you and I have hyped up the center back depth on this team and how much internally Robin Frazier and the other players say that a Moise Bombito, a Bubakar Keita, a Michael Edwards are rated and everything, that one of them gets more than like almost a ceremonial garbage time minute sub like what happened with Mike Edwards in this one. I don't think that Danny Wilson, uh, Lalsa Bubakar, and uh, Andreas Maxu should start and go 90 minutes in both of these games, potentially 90, 120 and then PKs against Sacramento as well. Mike Edwards has to start one of these games. If Boob is available, he should be on the bench and coming at some point. Um, it's too early in the week, Mark, for me to get an update on Moise Bombito. He's been out. He's been listed as out for a couple of weeks now. I think it's longer than what the initial timeline was reported on that as well, but also he's been in and around training, so maybe he's just been day-to-day -day not quite there, and he'll be day-to-day -day there this week as well, but I have to imagine more squad rotation, and getting guys valuable minutes that 
gets us an understanding of them as a player, Mark, and also still ultimately prioritizing league play and losing to Sacramento, that's a moral victory I can get behind more so than the moral victory that was this past draw against Vancouver. Rabbi, anything else that we say about this? Or shall you tell our listeners about how they can best support our work? And I will tell them how to get at us on the interwebs. Fantastic. Holding the High Line is a reader-supported publication. We do this out of love, but website hosting and buying gas to go to training ain't free. If you value what we do, consider becoming a paid subscriber at just $42 a year or $5 a month. It's the price of a double whiskey of the bottom shelf variety. You can afford it. A yearly subscription will get you some discounted or free merch from us this year. A beer mug or a stein, design pending, and some behind-the-paywall articles. You'll be supporting citizen soccer journalism, and we appreciate it. Matt, tell them about how to contact us at our show, and also how to read our written work other than the Holding the Highline Substack. Listeners, you can follow us collectively on Twitter at soccer underscore rabbi at LWS Matt Pollard and at Rapids 96 Podcast. Check out all of our work on the Substack that Mark just mentioned, in addition to Pittsburgh Soccer Now, Last Word on Sports.com, backslash soccer, and burgundywave.com. If you want to get at us uh, and ask us questions or communicate to us through the podcast, you can tweet using the hashtag AskHTHL or tag us with a sentence that ends in a question mark. No notes, no manifestos keep the keep the questions clear and succinct but if you want to say something in more than 280 characters we'd prefer that you email us at rapids96 podcast at gmail.com listeners we'll see you next week after hopefully another two positive results for the pits peace